Hey, hey, hope all of you are doing well. I'm excited to be with you guys today. Uh, it's an exciting day because we have great content ahead of us, but I'll just be honest, we also have a lot of scripture to read, so let's jump right in with some prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment, uh, for this moment that we get to share together and this moment that we get to receive again from you. Uh, we thank you for all the good gifts that you give to us. Um, and we look forward to um, the good gift that you're going to give each of us as we uh, look to understand your word and to put it into practice in our own lives. We thank you in advance for this time together, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today and tomorrow, we are going to use this text from Mark's gospel uh, to move through the events of the Last Supper of the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' arrest, and ultimately his crucifixion. These passages are long, but I think it's incredibly important that we read them together and, and hear them out loud. Because of that, my personal reflections that will follow will be relatively short, and honestly, it doesn't really matter to me if you use them or not. One of the purposes of these devotionals, if you'll remember, is that each of us would be equipped to read and to reflect on the scriptures for ourselves. And with only three days left, I want to encourage you that you've made it to that point. You understand the need to read prayerfully, to rely on God's help by the Spirit rather than just your own human smarts. You know how to read immersively, to experience the passage through the eyes of its key characters by slowing down to imagine what they're seeing, hearing, touching, thinking, feeling. And you know the three fundamental questions that we ask ourselves every time we read the Bible. That first question, of course, is what from the passage is most grabbing our attention? And the second question is, what do we sense God saying to us personally as we reflect on the passage? And this is where I've encouraged you to uh, try to receive a word of grace, a word about uh, God's identity or about the identity that he's given to his people. And then lastly, question number three, what are we going to do about what God has said to us? So today, like always, let's read, reflect, and respond and again, if my own reflections are helpful, you great. But if something else stands out to you, I encourage you to focus on that and let the Lord teach you. All right, here we go. So Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 12 and reading all the way to verse 50. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. 
It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as, as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. As he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. What an incredible passage, isn't it? In every great story that's ever been told, there's a moment when the villain is winning. There is always that moment when you doubt whether the hero can survive, whether good or evil will prevail in the end. 
Today's reading is the beginning of that moment in the great story of Jesus. What stands out to me in this passage is the the strength with which Jesus withstands all that's coming up against him in what would be the last day of his life. I wonder, what's been the most intense moment of your life? When have you felt the most pressure or been faced with the worst odds? Has there ever been a time maybe in which your own life was on the line or the life of someone close to you? For me, it was when Liz gave birth to our youngest daughter, Sarah. She was delivered via C-section five weeks prematurely because of two conditions that were found during Liz's pregnancy. Just to keep it PG for you fellows who are listening, the big deal was that certain blood vessels were between the baby and where the baby would uh, enter the world. And if these blood vessels were ruptured, the baby would have only a few minutes to be delivered or she wouldn't have survived. In fact, Liz's life was at risk too because of the uh, severe blood loss potential that was associated with one of the conditions in particular. I was with Liz in the operating room when Sarah was delivered. Uh, Things went well, all things considered, of course, but I have to tell you straight up that there was blood everywhere. Liz was awake for the whole thing, and she told me days later that uh, the look on my face as I peered over the curtain to see what was going on wasn't exactly encouraging. There was that same amazing moment that always happens when a baby is born, when Sarah came out, but I was honestly already in shock. Then this a tiny little baby of mine was carried next to her to the resuscitation room and an oxygen mass was put over her tiny little nose and mouth. It, it wasn't more than a few minutes later uh, before I was told that she would have to be transported to the children's hospital because she wasn't able to breathe on her own. I don't remember exactly how things went right after that, but I do remember being in the recovery room with Liz, uh, which actually wasn't really a recovery room at all. It was just a bunch of curtains pulled together to wall off what felt like a space that was maybe eight foot square. And in that space were four nurses and two doctors. And I ended up being shuffled into a corner so that everyone could do their bedside work. The doctor was pushing on Liz's stomach to try to get her insides to close up from the surgery while nurse after nurse were trying to get an IV needle into her veins. She ended up losing over half the blood in her body during the procedure, and so the pressure wasn't there for them to get the IV. Finally, they they did get it in just in time for Sarah to be wheeled in on this little cart, her body set in a glass incubator and tubes hooked up all over. They wanted to give Liz a chance to see her for the first time uh, before taking her over to the children's hospital. It was this surreal moment, and I was frozen in place because of the stress as I took it all in. Thankfully, our story ended well. Liz and Sarah both recovered and are healthy to this day. The anxiety of that moment, though, is something that I'll never forget. As we 
shift our attention back to this passage, think of the stress and the anxiety on Jesus. As he reclined at the table and enjoyed his last meal with his disciples, he knew that one of his closest friends was going to turn on him. Uh, Later on, another three of his friends fell asleep in a moment in which he needed their support most as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. As that night wore on, he became more and more in touch with the fact that his death was near. Could you imagine knowing that you were going to die tomorrow? How would you react? What would you what would you do? Who would you want to be with? It wasn't just physical death that was weighing on Jesus, though. It was spiritual death, too. Remember what we've learned about sin through our devotionals together. Sin is separation from God. And if left unaddressed, we die separated from God. If Jesus was to address our sin on our behalf, if he was to fulfill our mission and to conquer sin so that it didn't conquer us, then he would have to be separated from God. I couldn't imagine if I had lost Liz or Sarah. I'm crazy about both of them, crazy about all of my kids. But my love for them is still somewhat tainted. I I don't love them perfectly. Not with Jesus and the Father, though. There had always been um, a perfect union between them. There had always been perfect love expressed uh, one to another. Disconnection from God is utter loneliness and utter lifelessness. And the reality that that was part of his destiny was weighing on Jesus. As we came to the end of today's reading, we see Jesus' betrayal complete. We see him arrested unjustly, carried away by the mob, and as Mark writes, deserted by everyone. We cannot miss the intensity of this passage and the ways in which Jesus was attacked on all sides. In the end, he was alone, and yet he didn't back down. He endured it all. He stayed strong. And the question for me is how? As you all know by now, Lent lasts for 40 days. It's a season of reflection, of self-examination, and of celebration of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for us. And it's a season that's 40 days designed to help us replicate Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness before the start of his mission and ministry. I'm sure you remember us reading that account. We took several days uh, to rest in that passage from Luke and to consider the many things that the Lord had to teach us from it. One of our most important takeaways was that Jesus retreated to the desert and made himself completely vulnerable so that he could become completely dependent on God and completely trusting of his Father. He knew that the biggest temptation to his mission would be to stop short. And he knew that he would stop short when he stopped trusting that his dad loved him, was proud of him, and always had a good plan for him. 
I think that Jesus was profoundly burdened on that night in the garden. But from the time of his long sleepless nights in the desert through the entirety of his ministry, when he would often retreat to pray and spend time with God, and all the way until this moment, he had developed a pattern of dependence, a pattern that became a mindset, that became a lifestyle. Jesus was strong because he knew his father was good and was unshakable and was in control. And because of that, he was able to withstand physical, emotional, and spiritual attacks that we can only dream of. The gospel means good news. And the good news is that you and I can be in right relationship with God by putting our faith in Jesus. It's a reality that seems too good to be true. His righteousness can be our righteousness simply by believing. It's the incredible gift of grace from heaven. That good news, though, doesn't simply begin when we die. Eternal life starts right now for anyone who believes. And God is giving us the opportunity to experience the life of Jesus in our own lives right now, too. You might think I'm crazy, but I think Jesus' power over sin and temptation and attacks of all kinds is available to us right now. We must decide, though, whether or not we want to take hold of it by adopting his lifestyle. In this case, uh, his lifestyle was a lifestyle of retreating to God and putting himself in a position of utter dependence. Where are you with this message today? Where are you uh, feeling attacked in your life right now? As you think about that, how are you responding? Are you fighting on your own? Or are you striving to be smart enough or strong enough or steady enough to make it out alive? Or have you admitted that you can't? and retreated to the Father to hear those beautiful words that you are his child, that he loves you, and he's got nothing but the best for you. Have you allowed that message to play on repeat through your mind over and over and over again, listening to it until it sinks down deep into your soul, until it becomes your reality? If that's you, then you know that you can face anything or anyone, because even if they kill you, just like the Lord Jesus, you know that your dad will bring you back from the dead. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the life that you have won for us and the perfect example that you show us. Um, I just pray that we would believe that um, you've won for us the power uh, to live like you. Um, and God, I just ask for your help as we uh, do our part to start patterns of retreat and dependence, that you would meet us there, that you would uh, speak those words of identity to us, that you would reassure us that you love us and you always have the best for us, and that you would grow our faith to believe it every single day. We pray this all in the character and identity of Jesus. Amen.